Captain's Log number N43-259. In our expedition today, we found records of Hero's journey through the galaxy bound to a destiny only the strong can burden. This is how their story unfolds. Hello and welcome to the Celestial Expanse, a real play D&D podcast set in the Celestial Expanse universe. My name is Matthew. I'll be your DM for the night, and playing with me today in a special solo episode is Ben playing as Rel. Uh, hi. So, um, if you've already listened to the Mortal and Z duo um, episode, uh, you kind of have an idea that these are kind of going to be like character development episodes, but I think everybody would agree they're kind of needed. Wouldn't you say so, Ben? I think so. I mean, especially if give us some insight into what happens between season one and two. and Yeah, and it's uh, basically set up two months after the events at the Inquisition space dock you um, attacked and uh, encountered these strange crystal ships that start attacking everybody and destroying everything. Mm-hmm. And you've been on the Terminus for two months now like because you don't really have a ship anymore because the Torwag got destroyed. Yep. And so everybody in the party has been kind of like split off doing their own thing, like trying to process what's going on because pretty much there's a war between because from the the voice in your head of Lilith explaining like things are going to happen now, you can kind of get the sense there's a war going on between two factions that, and you're caught in between. Yep. And like I say, you're just helping out on the Terminus. You're not really pirates per se, but you have nowhere else to go. So you just travel around the station, helping out where you can. And um, I think you're in the middle of one of your few breaks that you have nowadays because you've been busy and you're having a nice um, spot of tea. And mm-hmm. you notice a rather attractive Mentor woman pass by you. And all of a sudden you're hit with a sense of deja vu and a mix of apprehensiveness and love in your in your chest. And you see a mentor woman in your vi- in your mind, but it's not exactly who you see in front of you, but she's very familiar. Can you possibly describe to us who you're seeing? Uh like a description of what she looks like? Yes. Uh so she's a mentor woman, so she's got like a uh, purple skin. Um very pretty, but she's got um like her like the left side of her head is all cybernetics, pretty much. Like the top left quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is part of the reason that she kind of joined, joined the, the monastery. Uh, yeah. Which at the time was very unusual because most Mintaru wouldn't even come close to your monastery because of their xenophobic nature, wouldn't you say? Yeah. And you're just suddenly struck by this sense of... Do you remember what her name was? Uh, we were just talking about it before and I've flanked on it. It's um, Valaness. Valaness. Or, or Val for short. Yeah. Um, you are just like, when you saw this Mentor woman, you suddenly are just hit by um, that memory of Valaness when you first met her. Like, she was just joined the, the monastery when she just turned adult, which for Mentor is very, very young, which is 10. But for humanoids, that's like the equivalent of like a 20 year old. Mm. And. She's very tall, like most Mentaru, and like you said, she's purple, has the cybernetic implants on her on her cranium. And you just remember when she joined, she had like almost like old look looking at the monastery because the monastery itself was very old, wouldn't you say? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's well kept and everything, but mm-hmm. it's been around for a while. And we are kind of like reliving the moment when Rel was a lot younger before he even had his robotic arm. And you're just kind of looking at her and 
you just keep looking at her because for you, you've never seen somebody so beautiful. And where your younger self walks towards this woman, you suddenly have a message from your device, the NID, um, the neural interface device that all members of the Celestial Expanse seem to have, basically their version of the iPhone or Android. Mm-hmm. It's my and, super space smartphone thing. Yes. And it's a message from Demia asking for your presence. Uh, Rel kind of, uh, I think, tries to just focus on like the, the message, just kind of stares at it, trying to block out everything else, trying to uh, just, I guess, kind of suppress the memories. Okay. Uh, kind of give me a wisdom save. All right. 14. You're capable of pushing it back. Like, it's kind of a struggle. Like, you have to, like, clench down your fists, both metal and flesh, closing your eyes, taking a big gulp of air, and just, like, forcing the memory away. <sighs> uh, okay. Uh, I need to go see what she needs, I guess. Um, before you walk away, you see a elf, a young male elf. Like, he's like, any more tea, sir? Uh, no, no, that's... Th- th- thanks. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Very good, sir. So, yeah, you uh, go to the... Uh, the map room, pretty much, is what it's called, and you've been there several times, like, when she was explaining, like, when you had to go to the listening post for um, the Parliament Station, or when you had to go to the Crossroads Nebula Station. Basically, whenever she had to give orders, that's where she was at. Mm-hmm. And she looks tired. She, she's tired from all the um, the work she has to do, keeping this lines together between Quartz and Theresia, and, and amongst all the orders she's been giving out because you've been hearing that she's been sending pirate crews on this crazy scouting missions, trying to find items of ancient power and ways of trying to fight this war that's coming from the broader curtain coming towards the, um, to, um, the central paramount because every day you keep hearing about like ships gone missing plants, like going dark, like this war is getting bigger by the day. Mm-hmm. And you, she just looks at you. He's like, oh, "Good, real, you're here. I need a favor of yours." Uh, okay. Help, she's tired. Uh, what? What? What's up? What? What do you? What do you need from me? I need you to help out a group of um a crew of one of my crews. They're going after a scouting um, party that I sent out in the in the external paramount. Um, I sent out a. Um, scouting machine over in the Rigor system and I haven't heard anything from them and I'm getting a little turned. Uh, I was kind of hoping you could help them out. Uh, they're a man short and you're really the only one that's nearby that doesn't have a mission going on right now. I know you're technically now a part of my crew, your Marto's crew, but she's not here at the moment. She took Lelia with her with Z so I don't know where the, what's going on. I need somebody's help with this. So I was hoping you could. Uh, I... Hey, well, what what do you need me to do exactly? Just provide backup, like making sure my they are kept safe, and because they're a man short, like I said, they just need an extra body, and you're really the only body that I can can use right now. Everybody else is doing something. I know that's not exactly what you're trying to do. You're a fire, not a search search and rescue crew, but I really need some help here. I no, I can I can help. Uh... I. As soon as you say that, you just see her, like, her shoulders kind of sag, like a big sigh of relief kind of leaves her. But you also just kind of notice, like, there's these huge bags of of bags under her eyes. And it's just like, you have no idea how much I need to hear that, real. I'm not liking where things are going right now. Like, I don't know how we're going to win this war. 
I know it's not our war. I don't know who those are. Like, all I know is we're seeing more of the undead. And for some reason, they're capable of traveling the stars somehow. Like, I don't know how. Like, infection rates are going up to the point where not even Parliament um, disease control can keep it under under control. They don't know what's going on. So just knowing I have you with them, keeping their watching their backs is a big help. Yeah, sure. I, I mean, you know, making sure people are okay or trying to rescue them is a you know it's, it's a good thing to do so i don't i don't mind um now i do have to warn you the planet that you're going to is very dangerous it has the um the omega designation and you real know that's like the highest designation of dangerousness of how dangerous a planet is like it literally has in the designation do not land parliament <laughs> parliament even puts up a buoy Within two hundred thousand, like two thousand kilometers away from the planet, saying this is the minimum distance you're allowed to be within of that planet. Mm. But she really hasn't said the name of the planet yet. Uh, okay, okay. Um, where where are we going exactly? You're going to the planet of Clade, and you instantly recognize that name, and it sends a, a chill down your spine, and you feel goosebumps everywhere, and you probably start hyperventilating. Because this is the planet you crash land with everybody. Oh yeah, Rel is definitely like, uh, definitely hyperventilating. Uh, Rel, are are you okay? Uh, uh, I, 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 I I'm sorry. I, I, I can't. I can't go back there. And I, I think Rel probably might just like run out of the room. Uh, Rel, and before uh, she says anything, you're gone, and you're just like, I guess you're just like heaving large amounts of air and. People are like seeing you freaking out and kind of giving you a wide berth, like like you're trying to calm yourself down, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, probably just kind of like leaning up against the wall, just trying to get back to like wherever he's been staying. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you have like your own personal quarters. They're not like luxurious or anything like that, but you have a nice bed. You have like a desk. It's very Spartan because I'm assuming that's how that's just your style. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he just has much to put into a room, really. Mm-hmm. Especially since most of his stuff would have blown up. You know, anything he didn't have on him mm-hmm. when the ship blew up. So, like, you might have like a scat, a scrap piece of of a photo, like of of some of your friends that were part of the monastery, and that's about it. And it's getting kind of late, and you feel exhausted after the hyperventilating you just had. And I guess you just fall asleep. Would you say? Yeah, I mean, I'd say it's probably closer to just passing out than falling asleep, but yeah. Um, I think when you fall asleep, you have another memory of, of Valaness. And it's when you kind of got into your first sparring sessions with her. Uh, because, granted, you're both relatively the same age, not like numer- numerically, but like the same age mentality. Mm-hmm. And even though that was the case, you've been there longer, so you have more training, so you are kind of designated as her student teacher, like showing her the ropes, like how to do her duties, how to fight and all that. And you kind of get the sense like she's very cold to you. Like she almost wants nothing to do with you, but you can't figure that out why. And it's during one of your sparring sessions um, during like her like third or fourth week here. She like is fighting sparring against you, but I need you to do a deck save. Okay. 26. Okay. Um, she is like trying to do like a sweep, like like a textbook sweep that everybody's been taught at this um monastery, and you catch it, and instead of like maybe lifting your leg, you 
kind of like see a way to like take an opportunity against this and almost like body block her. So sure, her sweep comes up short and she trips herself up and lands on her butt. And she looks at you. You almost think she's mad at you. But all of a sudden you kind of see a smirk on her face and she starts laughing because come on, you're like what, five, six, five, seven? Uh, or maybe a little bit taller? I'm taller than that. I think uh, five foot 11 is what I wrote down. Okay. But still, she's a Mentaru. They're old. they're going to be taller no, my, no matter what. Like the shortest yeah. like adult Mentaru is like seven foot. Yeah. So you can imagine the absurdity of you, five foot 11, tripping up somebody that's at least seven foot and landing on their butt. So to her, the absurdity of that image is so funny. Like you probably find it funny too. Like you, it's absurd. Like how this looks. <laughs> and she, uh, like raises her hand, like um, asking for help up. Yeah, he goes over, reaches over, and pulls her pulls her back up. And even though you uh, rolled well on your dexterity save, she didn't do so well. So she kind of trips up again, and she puts her hand on your shoulder, leaning into you, and you catch her scent. Like you don't know what it would smell like. Um, like it sounds almost like a citrusy, flowery smell. And you found it. You find that you kind of like that smell, and she's looking down at you, and her purplish skin kind of like deepens a bit around her cheeks, almost like she's blushing. <laughs> and she, and this is when you wake up, and you get another message from Demia, explain if you don't want to do this, she understands. She'll just send the group shorthanded, and hopefully for the best they'll come. However, when you got that feeling, like that um, daydream of Valanes again. For some reason, you keep thinking about that planet. Like, Rel just sits there for a moment, just try, like, focusing on his breathing. Maybe, maybe I, maybe I can help. I, if there's, if there's people stuck there, we can't just leave them there. So you uh, message back that you're um, going there. Yeah, he, he basically just messages back like, oh, if they, if they haven't left yet, I'll, I'll be there. And she messages back like a great, like a thank you. Like she's very thankful again. And she, un- she appreciates that even though you can't really stand going there, it's a big help to her. And she gives you the, the corn, not the coordinates, but the, the area where the ship is stationed at in the terminal mm-hmm. and says it's going to launch in about two hours. So plenty of time to pack up what you need and come down to the ship. Yeah. I think Pearl grabs his, whatever he needs, which isn't a whole lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and leaves trying not to think, trying really hard not to think too hard about it, just because he's trying to keep himself from having a panic attack about the thought of going back there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you spend about um, about 30 minutes, like, packing up, making sure your your staff is working fully charged and all that. And, uh, and after finally making it down to the harbor, um, Harbor 3, actually, you see the ship that you're supposed to be going to. The it's called the Adaria. Um, nobody really understands why the the crew called it that. Nobody re- they don't really feel like giving an answer. Um, and you see a dwarf that matches um the designation or the description that is the captain that Demia sent you, known as Savir um the the thunder um the Thunderbrand. And he doesn't really explain why he has that moniker. Okay. Uh, yeah. So Rel sees when he walks over. Uh. Hi, I think uh, Demia wanted me to come with you. You're going on a rescue mission, right? Um, you see the dra- the the dwarf look at you and like up 
and down. It's like, you're real? Uh, yeah, yep, that's that's me. You seem kind of skinny. You sure you have enough meat on your bones to do this? Uh, I I think so. Yeah, I'm just giving you I'm giving you a hard time. I know who you are. You're a member of uh, Mardo's crew, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Like, well, nice to meet you. And he puts out a meaty hand for you. Yeah, and Roll uh, will shake his hand. He kind of like pulls you in a bit. Like he surprisingly strong shakes. It's like good to meet you, laddie. Just so you know, when you meet Ellie, don't look her in the eye. She doesn't like it. And you hear a feminine, like almost metallic voice coming down. It's like now severe. Be nice to the elf. Excuse me, half elf. And you see an android um, coming down. It's like severe. Just likes to what's the word? Josh people, right? Uh, Ellie, you always have to ruin the fun, don't you? And she looks at you is like, so I understand you um, heard where we're going, right? Uh, y- yes, I have. It's not a very safe place, but we appreciate you coming with us. We were a man short. Um, go ahead and put up your, your duffel bag with Mark. And he'll show you where it's at, uh, where, to, where to put it. And uh, she kind of, okay. she points up to the ship like to go up the gangplank mm-hmm. or the, the ramp. And you see this, like, um, not heavy set, but kind of bulky human. Like, he's lifting stuff up. Like, obviously, he has muscles from lifting all these heavy crates around, you see. And when he turns around, you see him. He's wearing um, glasses, but they're unusual. They don't have, like, the, the ear stems that you would normally see on glasses. It looks like a, like old technology called Pinsnez. It's like, real, right? Uh, uh, yeah, that's me. Name's- Name's Mark, but they call me Marcus sometimes, so it's nice to meet you. Uh, nice to meet you, too. Um, they said to ask you where to put my stuff. Oh, yeah, here. And he just, like, grabs your bag and, like, throws it on top of a pile of bags that he has, like, roped down to the ship. Mm-hmm. Like, no, like, uniformity to it. Like, he acts like it's a big deal, but it's not. It's just tying down the cargo. Yeah. He's like, we're about ready to lo- lo- um, launch off, but you may want to sit, get a seat by Thorne. There's only, we only have so many seats in the cockpit. Now, Thorn might is a, let's just say he could be a bit friendly, so be prepared for a very big hug. Uh, oh, okay. And he points you to how to get to the cockpit of the ship. Yeah, Rel makes his way up there. And you, when you get closer to the cockpit, you kind of hear like a humming, almost like a boisterous, like happy hum, like somebody's enjoying their job or something like that. And you see this very large orc, like at least eight foot tall. Very burly, like you thought you seen bulk, um, like buff orcs before. Like some orcs are known to have like well built bodies because of all the the because of the harsh living conditions on some of their planets. Mm-hmm. This guy is like two and eleven compared to. That. <laughs> so you're and saying like, he lifts? He lifts. Can you lift, bro? And that's his answer would be yes. <laughs> and you just hear a, and he's just like brushing down the consoles like you realize that this cabin of the the cockpit cabin is meticulously clean and you realize he's the one that's cleaning it mm-hmm. and he i think when you like step over the the threshold of the cockpit from the hall your foot your feet makes enough noise where he stops turns around and you see this big orc looking down at you he has like almost like a grumpy looking face to him despite what you heard mm-hmm. he's like he's looking at you squints his eyes Gets closer. He's like, "Oh, you're a new, you're our new crewmate, Yoss." Uh, yeah. Hi. Uh, I'm Rel. I am Thorn. Ha ha. He like, grabs you in a big hug, and you feel squeezed. He's like, "New friends are always are welcome." 
and you just keep getting squeezed. Yeah, he just kind of like, oh, nice, nice to meet you. And he lets go of you. He's like, ah, oh, you are so skinny. Why are you so skinny? Do you not eat enough? Here, let me feed you. Uh, it, no, no, that's 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 okay. I don't want to interrupt you doing your work. Oh, it's no trouble at all. Here, let me. It is called schnackel. It's a it's a delicacy of my home. And when you look at it, it basically looks like just now butchered four-legged animal, not treated whatsoever. Like he's like not cured or anything like that. It's literally just been butchered and eaten raw. So you're saying it's steak tartare? Pretty much. Uh, Rella's kind of like looks at it. Um, I, I, I really, I'm, I'm not very hungry right now. Now, now, friend, it's don't be shy. It's, it's very good. It's very fresh. I butchered it this morning. I, I, well, maybe I'll, I'll just have a little bit. Very good. And he like rips off like a big piece of meat. And you see, like, blood dripping off of it, and it's like, this is a, the juiciest part of the, of the schnackle. Enjoy. Uh, yeah, thanks. Rel just kind of, like, stares at it for a moment, and kind of, like, takes it up and, like, slowly takes a bite out of it. It's surprisingly good. It's very tender. It has almost, like, a sweet aftertaste to it. Like, it was, like, prepared in something, but obviously it's not, because it's just straight up butchered and eaten raw. Um, but it's surprisingly good. And he's looking down at you and with this, like, no one smirk. He's like, ah, yes, yes, good, yes. I, yeah, it, it, it's it's really good. Sweetness caught you, didn't it? Yeah, I don't normally expect that with meat. It's because of the berries it eats. It's uh, very potent. Most orcs couldn't, can't stand it, but when that schnock cook uh, eats it and we kill it, it makes a very, very metal sweetness, that mm, perfection. And then you hear um, Severe is like, Thorn, are you dirtying my, my ship again with that monstrosity that you call neat? Now, Captain, our guest likes it. It must be good, yas? Like, just put it up. We need to, we need to leave. And he's like, very well. And you see him just, like, take a huge bite out of it and open a window of the ship and throw it out. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so uh, we got orders from Yeah, We're going to Claude. Just to let you know, planet ID is O2, so gravitation, normal. But it's not going to be pretty, folks. Um, from my understanding, it's full of carnivor- like very dangerous carnivores that will eat humanoids. So, Ellie, make sure to wash our backs. They, don't, they won't like you. And she uh, looks back and is like, but I'm the sweetest person here. <laughs> it's like, you're cute, but you're metallic, so I doubt they'll eat you. And she just like kind of gives like a harumph. Like, she feels insulted by that. Rel kind of, will actually, like, pipe up and say, oh, they, they might if they don't notice you're not meat. She kind of, like, laughs at that, and, and Severe is just, like, rolls his eyes, like, looks down at the, his nid, and is like, now, it does have breathable oxygen. That much we know. But, like I said, they have monsters there that will eat anything. Now, Rel, Demia said you might have been there before? I, yes, I, I've been there. Anything uh, we should know about. Um, when he asks that, you are suddenly hit like, with a like a memory of these strange, these strange like squid-like creatures that, even though their bodies are squid-like, they seem to be able to move above land, not above land, but above ground with their tentacles, and they move very fast, and they have like almost slimy camouflage carapace on their skin. Uh, well, I don't know if I can really give you any more than there's nothing else really other than monsters that I know about. I could tell you about. Some of the ones I've seen, I guess. 
can uh, it be killed? And you were able to kill one. I yeah. I mean, it's not easy, but yeah. You, I mean, most things can you can kill if you try hard enough. Good enough. That's all we need to know. And he tells everybody to buckle up, and you uh, feel the ship moving and get ready to go into hyperdrive. And even though it's in the um, the central paramount, which is practically next door to you, the pirates have to kind of navigate in different um, lanes of hyperdrive of the hyperdrive because they don't want to be caught by Parliament. Mm-hmm. So normally, what would take like two or three minutes takes about twenty minutes. Um, but it's enough to kind of hit you with another sense of deja vu, and you start dreaming. And you've kind of gotten onto more of a friendly term with friendly terms with um, Valaness to the point where she asks you to call her Val instead. She likes that better. She feels that the her full name's too formal. Mm-hmm. And you start having like these conversations of like her people, your people, saying how the reason she was so cool to you in the first place is because she was scared of you, mainly because you were half-elf. Not because of your half-origins, but because of the elven um, traits of you to begin with. Because she knows that most elves see her race as xenophobic and warmongering, and she agrees with that. That's why she preferred she left the planet and joined this monastery when she first heard about it. She hated that about her people. But she also kept hearing about all these horrible rumors of elves, like how they were constantly jealous of the technology of the Mentaru, how they were jealous of their looks, everything, like basically what the Mentaru had the elves were, were jealous of and they want themselves, if they saw a Mentaru by themselves, they would attack him on, on site. And clearly meeting you kind of has like shown that that's false. Mm-hmm. And when you also start showing her around the monastery, you start feeling with each other a little comfortable with each other's presence to the point where you would say you would start missing her when she had to be like on in other parts of the planet during her training wouldn't you say uh yeah i guess so i mean i don't know how much time we're spending on planet necessarily while we're doing the training well most of your training is on the monastery um there are plans like within the next year or two of coming off planet side and traveling the galaxy to enhance your your knowledge of the galaxy itself and also help broaden your horizons of the mm-hmm. other races because that's kind of the main thing about the of the monastery is to be accepting of all races. Mm-hmm. And as the months pass, you and um, Valanes start developing feelings, wouldn't you say? I mean, probably. I imagine that it's kind of uh, hard to really do anything with that when you're in the monastery all the time, but... Well, the thing is, uh, your monastery doesn't really have like a vow of celibacy or anything like that. But some of the deacons are starting to see something happening between the two of you. And they say they're not against it, but they do ask you to make sure you stay focused on your training. But I think the question is, you as Rel, when do you think you start realizing your feelings? Um, I think it takes well a while to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, he's, he's not super smart, so just, I think... <laughs> Basically, she herself has to outright say she like. I think so. Like, I don't think he like. I feel like the you know the other people have like commented on it, and he's like, "Wait, what? Really? Huh?" And you're like, "Nah." Yeah. Like you, you don't believe them, and she straight up tells you that she likes you. She point where you don't even believe her until she straight up takes your face. <laughs> <laughs> because that's how dense Rel is to the ladies. That's how dense Rel is to most things. 
even though he's very wise, apparently. Yeah, he's wise and dense. <laughs> I mean, you know, he, he did eventually learn things. It just took him a while. Mm. Anyway, um, I think when she does that and you realize your own feelings, for kind of like this young love blossoms. And you can't Nothing like physical happens or anything like that. You just kind of have like that emotional attachment to each other. Mm-hmm. And when you realize this, that's when you, like within the months after this, you are like on your first training uh, regimen off the planet. And you are visiting all these different planets, visiting all these races, all these different people. And your horizons have slowly been expanded and you're starting to gain knowledge and you're starting to gain wisdom and all that until the fateful day where your ship crash lands onto the planet Clay. Yep. And it's when you're like reliving this like crash, you're shaken by um, Marcus. He's like, hey, Rel, you okay? Like, we're here. Oh, oh, oh okay. Uh, we, we're, we already landed or we're... We're in, we're getting ready to land. Uh, just figure you might wake up because it won't take long. Okay. Uh, thank you. All right. Um, you see, um, um, severe like start up uh, landing procedures. You see, like making sure everything's battened down. Marcus is like looking at the sensors, and um, Ellie's um, or as you soon learn is actually designation EL one based on the planet she was born on. But she refers everybody refers to her as L and. You uh, see them expertly land on this planet. There was a bit of a resistance because of all the foliage around the area before they found a clear spot. Mm-hmm. And when you land on the planet, if you follow everybody off the the, the gameway, you're just hit with this nostalgia. Not nostalgia, but like the memory of how awful this planet was. Granted, there was a lot of flora and fauna that you, you and the group of monks that you were with can live off of, most of the animals were carnivorous to the point where they were actually one by one hunting, killing your group. Yeah. And when you're like thinking of that first um, member of your order of that training group getting killed, Ellie taps on you is like, we found the scouts, or at least they're, um, they're transponder. Um, we're, we're following it right now. And okay. you are getting closer and closer. You realize because she linked up her nid with everybody else's. Mm-hmm. So they can follow the same signal, and you find it, but you see them dead, being devoured upon by those same squid-like creatures you described. Oh, uh, is, this, and, is this all of them? Uh, all the transponders are here. Um, Severe says, "Is like light them up," and everybody starts firing on the on these creatures when they when they first when they suddenly see that you're there, and they kind of like roar at you, like saying, "Back off! This is our food." Mm-hmm. But before I finish roaring, um, Thorn and the others start firing. Do you help with firing at these things with your staff? Uh, yes, hundred percent. Um, they fall instantly. Like it's easy. Like how, it's almost like surprisingly easy to you how it was to kill them. Because for you, when you were younger, these things seemed almost impossible to kill. Mm. Again, that might be because you didn't have as much training, and also. Yeah, I mean, I also didn't really have a cool staff that shot lasers out of it. This is true. Anyway, um, as the group gets closer, they find the lead scouts um, mid, and they sh- discover that they were on the body cam where the because it was kind of a practice that Demia explained that she required almost everybody now to record their like use a video recording device while they were on these missions, just so they know what's going on. And they were inst- they were ambushed because these creatures 
were am- were camouflaged and they weren't as well trained as say Severe and everybody else. You know, in mm-hmm. and they explain why they were on the planet like beforehand, like doing like a daily log, saying they found an energy source on the planet. Hopefully, they were thinking this might be a weapon of some sort or maybe something to help them with the war because Demia did send out like to all scouting parties to find ruins, find things that can help them fight in this war. And they found where the energy source is. They just didn't have the chance to fight. And Severus is like, well, let's finish this mission for them. What did you say, um, folks? And they all kind of like nod their heads and they look at you. He's like, well, you don't have to stay. You can get back onto the ship or if you want, you can come with us. Uh, well, uh, I, I'll, I'll, I'll come with you. That's a good lad. And um, you are traveling amongst the different densely packed um, areas of the of the planet, like through different types of forests. Like even though he says not very far, it's still a very dense jungle you're going. It takes about half a day to get there. However, when you get further into the forest, you start seeing things that make that look familiar to you. And when they finally get to this clearing of the forest, you realize they found the cave that you and the rest of the group were um, living in. And so is, is the like Harcrest ship like right there then as well? Yeah, it's the the ship is there. It's like the skeleton of it. Like your group um, took it apart, trying to make it into a shelter. Mm-hmm. And the power source they were reading is actually the beacon, the emergency beacon you set up trying to get help. But it's so like damaged from the weather and from being constantly on that the signal wasn't coming through. It was just the energy signal, like mm-hmm. from the battery. Mm-hmm. And you, when you get closer, you are hit by another memory. And that is the last day you had with uh, Valaness. You are, were just finished fighting off a group of these creatures that you just finished killing off um, with the crew. But this time, this is when you were fighting for your life and she's dying in your arm. I would say arms, but this is also the same time when your arm was bitten off. Yeah, so Rel's also losing a lot of blood while all this is happening. Yeah, and um, you are hit by that memory of her dying in your arms. Like She's like holding your f- your face with her hand. Like You can still see the love in her eyes with for you. And she was talking about, for some reason, that she wished she had enough time to see one more sunrise. Because she always talked about how she loved looking at the stars. And mm-hmm. she felt like if everybody, she felt like if she loved looking at the stars, she can find another person to love looking at the stars too. And if those, if her and that person can understand each other, she hoped she can help compel other people to have that same love and maybe find peace with her race and all the other races. Because even to this day, the Mentaru are so xenophobic, they very rarely have any communication with the other races outside of parliament because they're forced to work with them. Mm-hmm. And you feel like I can see like you're holding her hand to your face, right? Uh, Yeah, probably. And you can feel it like, getting cold. And while she's talking, she's like, well, I feel so cold. And she, that's when you finally reach to the cave and you see the ship and all that. But you also see the graves that you dug up for your entire group, including the last one, which is Valanessa's. And on that grave marker, you still see the necklace that you left of hers. And it's a circle symbol that's supposed to represent the sun with a stylized arrow piercing that sun. You remember her talking about the symbol when you when you asked her about it. She had it made for her because she loved reading the old books 
in the monastery and she found this one book talking about these monks who would get on their ships and literally dive into the sun hoping to reach into to reach enlightenment and it was believed if they reached enlightenment they would survive the radiation and harness its power of course she explains that's impossible because nobody can for one thing survive the vacuum of space mm-hmm. nobody can survive the radi- the extreme radiation from a sun but she loved the idea of basically becoming one with a star what do you do when you see this grave i think rel just uh ignores everything else and just walks over to the grave and just kind of kneels in front of it and just kind of cries silently i think mm-hmm. um the pirates um don't really say anything every once in a while you'll probably hear some boots like moving around like maybe they're just like making sure they're not being ambushed and after like a good 30 40 minutes you hear like footsteps come up to you and you feel a metallic arm like a metallic hand on your shoulder mm-hmm. and it's ellie and she's like, better get- uh, yeah yeah you're right uh, uh, sorry it's fine and she androids are known for not exactly being very emotional but you can kind of tell that on the holographic display of her face you can tell she feels bad for you like she feels awful like even though they can they don't show their emotions very often androids are capable of feeling emotions mm-hmm. and one of them is empathy and they and ellie just has like this crestfallen look for you like she feels terrible for it and she kind of helps guide you back onto the ship and the rest of the crew is just like quiet and severe is just getting the ship off the ground and you leave the atmosphere and you see him just kind of like orbiting the planet like he's trying to get a vector going for the hyperdrive Mm -hmm. however you suddenly feel this pull to the system's sun like you never felt this kind of thing before the closest thing is when you first touched the energy that is in your body known as key. Like, you felt yourself drawn to it to the point where you're able to manifest it into the powers that you have now today. Mm-hmm. But this feels stronger to the point where if you do not go now, you're going to regret it for the rest of your life. Obviously, though, you can't really just take over the ship and, and move it to that plant, to that sun, right? Right. However, you remember there's a, run, a runabout on the, on the freighter you're on right now. A what? A runabout. You know, like, the small ships that honor the Enterprise that you can go to from the ship to the planet. Oh, okay. Like a, a shuttle, basically. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah Rel's going to uh, just run for that. Go grab the shuttle and just take off with it. Okay. Um, when you get to the sh- to the runabout and start the launching sequence, and you start hearing on the PAs, like, what, what, who's, on my, who's on my shuttle? Who, who is that? Oh, is that you? What, you are, what are you doing? I, uh, it's severe, and he's, like, kind of yelling at you. I, I, sorry. I, I need, I need to do something. I'll, I'll, like, I'll be back. He's kind of yelling. He constantly is yelling into the PA until, unless you like shut it. Yeah, he, he like says, sorry, you know, basically, sorry. I'll be, I'll be back soon, and then just kind of shuts it off. He just keeps yelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like, you little like tea drinking, but and you cut him off, and you are steering the ship, and you don't really need to use the hyperdrive um, because of the thrusters on this thing. You're reaching the uh, the sun rather quickly, and you just kind of stop when you start seeing the ship signaling to you like danger, getting too close to the sun or the star, gravitational pull beyond the means of the of the thrusters. But you feel compelled to just get closer and closer. Yeah, I think Rel just follows that feeling. It's around this time when I would say you're getting like close to almost like ten thousand kilometers away from the ship, 
and from the sun, you suddenly see this tendril of sunlight known as a solar flare coming at you. You don't even try to steer away from it, and the ship is giving off warnings. Like, that's practically the only thing you're hearing right now. All of a sudden, the solar flare hits the ship, and your vision goes black. And you feel like you're floating. Nothing's, like, just holding you down. Like, you feel at peace. And all of a sudden, you feel a warm hand on your face. And when you open your eyes, you see Valaness in front of you. And she has a smile on you, on her face. And you know right away, it's, it's her soul. Like, you feel it in, in your body, in your very bones, it's her soul. But you also remember Lilith has the souls of everyone that was on that planet. Yeah, we're all just kind of... It's Val. How are you? How she, are you here? She's like smiles. Is like it's because my soul was too too warm for her. my love for the stars kept me away from her grasp. Her her touch is just so cold that if any heat touches it, it evaporates. I was able to be one with the stars at my last moments with you, Rel. Your your love, our love together, and the that last ray of sunlight before I died was enough to achieve what. I thought it was impossible, and because of that, I was able to stay away from her grasp when our friends and family were captured by her and she was trying to control you. And Rel, she takes her other hand and puts it on your face, looking at you like with the most joy you've ever seen on her face. You've done the same thing. You have become one with the stars. And you can just see she's so proud and just her eyes are just like so happy and you actually see tears of happiness for you and let, next thing you know, she has her lips on your forehead, and it's very warm. So warm, you actually wake up, and you realize the roundabout is further away from the, the sun, like you were able to guide the ship away from. And you feel warm, and when you fully wake up, you hear the last of her voice saying, feel warm, after seeing you again, pretty much, mm -hmm. and she's gone. What do you do? I think Rel just kind of stands there for a moment, um, like looking out towards the sun you when you look at it you kind of have like that you start understanding her her love of the star why she loves stars so much like, even though it could be a very dangerous thing it is literally the embodiment of life it gives off the radiation it gives light it gives the the help make life yes it can also destroy life but you also just feel happy when you look at it. i think rel just kind of having this feeling of i don't know safety and contentment just kind of sits down and enjoys that feeling for a moment something that he hasn't felt in well since he crashed on that planet basically mm -hmm. um and then he remembers that he stole the shuttle and should probably bring it back um when you see your back you see severe you see ellie you see just there um ellie looks concerned thorn looks like thorn like he's always smiling marcus is like putting his hand on his face like oh man he's so in trouble and you see Severe, like, all hunched over, foot tapping on the ground, like, on his ship, and just looking at you. You know you're in trouble. And he looks at you when you get off the runabout, and he's like, he has, like, this confused look. Did you find what you needed? Uh, yeah, yeah, yes, actually, I did. You're not gonna do this again? Uh, I don't think so. All right, everybody gets one. And he turns around and gets back, and walks back to his, um, his, um, cockpit, and... Thorns like kind of like slams down his hand on your shoulder like a, a pad, but it's like enough to where your shoulder kind of le goes down a bit. And Marcus looks at you and he's like, "You have no idea how lucky you are." 
Uh, and he like looks up at him, looks over at him, and he's like, I, yeah, I, I might. He chuckles and like goes back to the cockpit as well, and Ellie's just like, well, I'm glad you got what you needed out of that, even though it looks like you were just looking at the sun for a couple hours. And um, yeah, glad to say that we can tell Tamiya we didn't lose you. And she turns around and then looks back at you. He's like, by the way, nice necklace. And she walks away. And kind of like looks down, like looks at the necklace. And you see it's exactly what you saw on um, Valanessa's grave marker. It's a circle of a sun with a stylized arrow piercing, symbolizing the diver. You know right away what has become of you. You have become a sun diver of the celestial expanse. And that's when we're ending the episode today, folks. Awesome. And uh, remember, folks, you can follow the podcast at Expanse Podcast, and you can follow me at RP underscore GGamer. And you can follow me at the Void Man. The O is a zero. And remember, folks, space. Nobody can hear you scream. Ah. Uh...